from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We're hanging out here inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You're also watching us live on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. Hanging out here with you this morning on a beautiful, wonderful, but yet very cold, uh, ah, <laughs> very cold Thursday Morning here, Thursday, November 14th of the great year 2019. So, welcome to the broadcast. We're going to have a lot of fun today inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. We have a jam-packed show for you and all college football talk. Just, you know, I, 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 I've immersed myself in Syracuse football my entire life. And then you start to branch out a little bit. I, I cover the ACC. I cover the American. And then from sitting at a table with Papa Joe... I started to get into the SEC, get into the Big 12, get into what's going on in the Big 10, and he kept me on my toes. He would bring up things. He would ask questions. I wanted to know answers to those questions and and be ready for everything, and that turned into this just genuine love and appreciation for all college football and watching these games and getting around it, and and so I, I got to credit Papa Joe with with a big part of that, and and I just I did I fell in love with college football. I love watching it, big time games. Love watching you know LSU this year and Alabama and Minnesota's doing a great job, and and of course all the American Athletic and 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 a bunch of teams there, four teams in the conference with one loss. Just having a ton of fun watching all of that and seeing all of that, and you know UCF has become a team that that I really genuinely love to watch in, in Memphis and whatnot. So with Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory proudly bringing you what's popping. We're very excited today that Papa Joe is going to be first here on the broadcast. He's every Thursday in hour number one from 9 to 10 a.m. And then in the second hour at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time, we'll be joined by that man that you see here on the What's Poppin' list of topics for today. For those of you watching, for those of you listening, the man is Eric Kroom. He played for Syracuse. He also played in the NFL as a defensive lineman. He's going to be joining the show to speak about athletes being paid now through you know, student athletes in the NCAA. We'll talk about that. We'll discuss Syracuse's woes, any advice he has for the Orange, as well as an overall look at college football and the climate and where things sit right now. And that's why you see that beautiful wake-up call helmet because we're going, we're, you know, you got to strap on, folks. We're doing all types of college football talk today. Very excited about that. Chase Young is going to be resurrected and, and thrown back onto the field right after Ohio State plays two of the worst teams in the Big Ten So and, and to be ready for Penn State. So, well, we, we have so many things to talk about, so many angles, awesome, awesome stuff. So without further ado, let's bring the man on the show that wheels and deals and knows what he's doing. That's Papa Jay. How are we doing, Papa Joe? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine. And, you know, Papa Joe, I want, I want to start there with, with Chase Young, a defensive end for Ohio State. He gets told by the NCAA now, you know, and, and Ross and I will talk about this tomorrow on our, on our wake-up call special that we have going on, wake-up call on the road. So, but to get into it a little bit, you know, Chase Young says that a family friend, you know, before he even started 
at Ohio State. A family friend gave him a loan to help him out a little bit. And it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with Ohio State or getting him to go there or recruiting him there or being a booster. It just sounds like somebody helped him out that's a friend. And then, you know, here, you know, here's the NCAA always, you know, 10 minutes too late or 10 hours too late or 10 years too late. They come into the thing and they say, okay, you know what? You did this and we don't like it. So you're going to be suspended. Then he appeals it and says, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with any breaking of the rules or anything like that. You know, it was just a family friend. They suspend him for the Maryland game, which they won 73 to 14. They suspend him for the Rutgers game, which Rutgers is like playing a JV team from, you know, it's, I mean, playing, playing Rutgers is, is like, I would liken it to if the Avengers in Marvel had to fight up against a marshmallow. And so that's essentially what Rutgers is. It's like taking a bunch of superheroes and they have to win over a marshmallow or an ant. So, you know, Rutgers is Rutgers. And then now he's not going to be suspended for the Penn State game. Perfect timing. So what are your thoughts on this Chase Young saga that, to me, seems like it should have never started, but it did? The typical uh, NCAA regulations are so inundated with outdated and unappreciated rules they just they, they, they just they saddle themselves with this type of bureaucracy forever and they can't get out of their own way now of course they played an angle here by allowing allowing mr chase to uh to not play in two of the worst games that osu has got to play against really serious weak teams yeah but then ma- then magically will appear uh, <laughs> when it comes time to uh to play the big the big guys so you know, the NCAA is very difficult to understand. They have so many layers of bureaucracy. They don't know which rules are right and wrong anymore. And it's it's going to get it's going to get worse before someone just says, "Look, let's start all over again. Wipe the slate clean. Throw everyone in a room for a month. Bring in sandwiches and beers, and come up with a whole new agenda that will be fair for college athletics, including." possibility of paying athletes so you know chase has, has got a tough road to hoe because i'm sure he wants to be, play with his buds uh, i'm not sure that any offensive tackles would want to play him in uh, scrimmage right now and uh in practice but uh, you know for him to to sit out a couple of meaningless games i guess is the ncaa way of of slapping osu on the on the wrist i mean it's it's preposterous and uh, and the problem is the NCAA. So until that's solved, all of these rules, all of these rules that they go by are outdated. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, it's the book is the book is so big, you know, and, and that's and, and that's really the issue. And, you know, get taking money. I mean, from what I from what I've seen, from the little I've seen in, in, in what I understand here. What you know? If this money has nothing to do with him going to Ohio State or getting to him or getting him to Ohio State or recruiting him to Ohio State, if it's just a friend saying, "Here you go, I'm helping you out. This is what we're doing," then I don't understand what the issue is. You know, it's not like it's like this. It's not like he said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars to get you to come to Ohio State," or "I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars to you know get you to come and take a visit or do this or do that or to commit today and whatnot." You know, it's it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with anything. But, you know, I have an issue with this because the rules are so crazy 
that, you know, I, I've even experienced the rules myself with having friends that are, of course, playing, you know, collegiate athletics. And I befriend a lot of the people that I get to know. And, and that's just that's just how it is, you know, because I genuinely care about these guys and, and these ladies out there that are out there, you know, playing their games and, and doing the best that they can and living their dreams. And I appreciate being around them. So, you know, I talk to some of these people and, you know, they tell me all the time that you can't, you know, you, you can't go buy a stick of gum for somebody because you're considered a booster. And the thing that makes no sense is if they're already at the school and you buy them a stick of gum, it's got nothing to do with recruit. The only thing the NCAA should be concerned with when money is changing hands is, is the money changing hands in order to get a player to come to a certain school or do a certain thing? That is the only time. It should be simple as all get out. Why the NCAA cares about if you got a loan here, if you got a loan there, if your next door neighbor gave you, I mean, here's my question, PJ. What if Chase Young's next door neighbor said, you know what? I'm going to give you 10 bucks for mowing my lawn when he, you know, when he was 10 years old. I mean, is it, is it retroactive? You know, can, can they say, you know, here's a, here's a $50 visa gift card for your birthday, right? Here's 50 bucks for your birthday. And then the NCAA finds out that he got a $50 visa card for his birthday from his neighbor. And now he can't play in, you know, another game coming up. It just doesn't make any logical sense. If it has nothing to do with collegiate athletics, then who cares about the money? I believe there's got to be some underlying reason why the NCAA did this. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't uh, $11,000. I think it's a, it's, it's a lot of money, yeah. uh, especially for a kid from a poor family. I, I don't see... Uh, you know, we're not going to ever going to get we're not ever going to get the true story. So, you know, you just you roll your eyes, you throw up your hands and say the NCAA is at it again. The kid's got to sit out. But magically, as we talked before, he's not going to play against some terrible teams. So, uh, you know, I don't know how they make these backdoor deals. Uh, but, you know, the poor kid's got to suffer, but he's going to be a first round draft choice no matter what. Go to class, kid, and try to figure up your your GPA and get get a degree, and then go play ball. That's all he's got to worry about. Right, you know, and that's the thing is it'll make no sense. But the NCAA found a way to show that they're they're a strong arm ruling body by punishing him for two games. But they also got out of having to worry about the fact that he won't that he won't miss the Penn State game. So it's I mean to me it just gets laughable after a while to say. You know, we're going to use our rules against you, even though it doesn't make any sense. And they're going to, you know, and, and it doesn't look like it made him go to Ohio State. So if that's the case and it has nothing to do with getting him to the school, that's an issue. But they say, well, money changed hands, whether it was a dollar or $11,000. So we're going to punish you. We're just going to make sure we don't punish you for a primetime game. And it, it, there's another situation. Yeah. And college basketball is going through the same thing with this Weissman kid that's playing uh, for Memphis. Yeah. And he, he was allegedly given some money, of course, by the coach, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, he's now they're going to rule that uh, the high school championship that they won is going to be vacated in all their wins because of this situation. Now, not only that, the kid followed uh, Penny Hardaway to, to Memphis to go to college. So the kid's, the kid's done anyway. I mean... No matter if he's guilty or not guilty, it's the NCAA is going to rule on it. The whatever inter, intercollegiate scholastic association is going to rule on it. And uh, if, like you say, if money changes hands or if money's involved, 
it's 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 going to come down on the kid, and that's what's going to happen to this kid. This kid probably should have gone right to the pros instead of trying to mess around with Penny Hardaway. He's not going to win at Memphis, so he should have gone right to the pros. But anyway, both of these cases are similar, and it all it's 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 all involved with bureaucracy and the levels that they have to try to figure things out. I don't know how they can figure things out as it is. So we just, as I said, we just you know roll our eyes and just keep going. Go go to something else. Yeah. So Chase Young, we'll get to see you for Penn State, and we'll. After you play the, that really tough game, Ohio State against Rutgers, after you play that that big old tough team that you have there, I, I do want to get into is one of the one of the things we have. Uh, I got a bunch of different different pieces uh, underneath your picture here, PJ, on Facebook Live, and and one of them is my Black Monday logo, and you know Black Monday is usually reserved for you know coaches inside of the NFL, but some of them get fired early, like a Jay Gruden. That we saw in you know in, in in college football, I'm using this Black Monday logo because there's been some early firings already happening this year, and I want to get to a, a few of those because you know there's there's a few guys that are that are now out of this thing, which is crazy to me that we're already seeing some some coaches that are being fired. I, I I've been against coaches being fired during the season because I think it just screws up the entire team and messes with the psyche and everything, but. We, we do have some coaches that have lost their jobs already. We, uh, we've obviously talked about Willie Taggart at Florida State has lost his job. Arkansas fired Chad Morris. Rutgers fired Chris Ash. Here's the thing about all of these, and here's the connection that I make back to, you know, wake-up call with Dan Tortora. Chris Ash was, was allegedly up for the Syracuse job and took the Rutgers job instead. He lost his job at Rutgers now. And I don't understand how you fire a coach for losing at Rutgers when Rutgers loses all the time. But they fire Chris Ash, right? And he was connected to Syracuse. Florida State, Willie Taggart and I spent a lot of time together when he was at South Florida. He comes back to the state of Florida. He comes back into a wake-up call with Dan Totoro. We get to spend some time together. He gets fired at Florida State without even two seasons. And then Chad Morris, who I had at SMU for three years, he left SMU after he finally got the program to a bowl game, thought that Arkansas and being the SEC was going to be a better job than where he was, and he went 4-18 and and lost his job there at Arkansas. So I'm connected in some way to all these coaches and two out of the three I've interviewed. What do you think about Arkansas, Florida State, and Rutgers bidding adieu to their coaches during the season? Well, Rutgers has had a very difficult time since Gary Schiano left that job. And if Rutgers is smart, they would re-interview the guy, bring him back. Schiano's got some baggage. He's very controversial. But he gets the job done. He knows how to recruit. And he knows how to win. That's the first thing that Rutgers should do. Forget about the rest of the season. Forget about the kids even. Now, Chad Morris at Arkansas came with a great reputation. I thought he would do much, much better at Arkansas. But... It goes to show you how difficult it is to recruit in the SEC. You've got to have good players to play against these teams. And he, Arkansas is in the West Division with Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas, uh, Alabama, and uh, Auburn. Auburn, are you kidding me? How are you going to win when you first come from SMU with no, with no recruiting? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you expect a guy to do? He's not going to be 10-2 and two his first year like Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen knows the, he knows the tricks because he's, he's taught he's, – He's uh, coached in the SEC before. Chad Morris had no shot to come from SMU at all. And, of course, firing him in the middle of the year, well, what's that going to prove now? The, the kids are out of coach. They probably liked him. He's a good guy. Maybe he wasn't good with X and O's. Maybe he wasn't a good disciplinarian. But 
now he's out. The kids are lost. The temporary coach is in. And, you know, why not wait to the end of the year? I don't understand this. Uh, you know, this the guy at Rutgers the same way, and, and Willie Taggart, we, we exhausted that sub- subject last week, and I ranted about that an awful lot. Kudos to to uh, Odell Haggins for, for winning a game uh, for the kids at FSU. But Arkansas is it's another sad case. Now you've got the same situation that you got with Willie Taggart that you're going to have at Arkansas. You're going to have high-profile coaches going to want to go to Arkansas and FSU. And do you try to recruit the coaches during the season when the other teams are still playing? It's It, it, it does makes no sense. So Arkansas is going to be in the same position, and so is Rutgers, uh, as FSU is in. You've got to wait till the end of the year to actually try to talk to someone. Yeah. If the ads are if the ads are smart, they're not going to let their coaches talk to anyone. Or you're going to find a two A 2A coach that's on the rise. So, it the, the coaches are gone. Unfortunately for them, they're all going to find jobs somewhere else. Rutgers needs to go back to Gary Schiano, and Arkansas is is going to have to find another. Chad Morris was a good coach, but he was he was overmatched. And uh, I you know I I I can't emphasize that enough when you're dealing with these teams down here because there are six or eight teams in the SEC that yearly yeah. will beat the, beat the hell out of anyone in the, in the nation. And that's unfortunately, and he probably didn't see that. He thought it would be a lot easier. Now, the, the coach before uh, Mr. Uh, Morris was uh, Bert Bellemio from, from Wisconsin. And he, he killed him up there in Wisconsin. Oh, he was going to come down to, to Arkansas to do the same thing at Arkansas, well, he didn't last because he couldn't. He couldn't hack losing. So you know, well, what do you do? You you just it. It takes a special coach. It takes a thick-skinned coach yeah. to to coach in the SEC, and it, it's 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 doggy dog. It's it's a killer existence. Maybe it's not fair, but the bottom line shows that these schools win and they make money. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, speaking here with Papa Joe this morning inside of Papa Joe's picks, talking on college football and some of these firings is. You know, Chad Morris, again, you know, he, he goes, he jumps, he jumps to the SEC. And, you know, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. You know, the SEC, it doesn't matter what team you are in the SEC. You're supposed to win and you're supposed to win now. You walk into that job and you've been there for three seconds, you're supposed to win. That's just how it is. You know, that that's that's how it's treated. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Ole Miss. It doesn't matter if it's Arkansas, Texas A&M. Auburn, you know, yes, there's Alabama. Yes, Georgia's in there. They're all there. Florida's there. LSU's there. But you have to win. I mean, Jimbo Fisher right now isn't doing great at Texas A&M, and don't think that they're going to sit there and be complacent with that for seven years or five years or even four years. He needs to win. He needs to showcase himself. Everybody's trying to get to the top of the SEC, and they don't give a damn if Alabama's always been number one there for the last umpteen years. They want you to beat them, and if you can't do it, it's not going to shake out. You know, Chad Morris could could get away with being at SMU and building that program back because that program needed time. Arkansas needs time to build back too, but Arkansas is in the SEC, and they don't get the time that they deserve. It's kind of like when you watch a movie and they find a scientist, and they're trying to make something, and they look at the scientist, and they say, how long do you need? And he says two months, and they say, we'll give you two days. Like, that that's thats thats what the SEC is. But I do want to get to something about uh, Florida State. I know we talked about Willie Taggart, but David Colburn, the athletics director, had some words after making this decision. He said, quote, frankly, six and six isn't good enough. He said, uh, there's a lot of ways to measure what was happening with the team. 
I thought that at the beginning of the season we were making progress. Clemson was a disappointment. And sidebar, I don't know how he could say that because Clemson is one of the best teams in the nation. But he said Clemson was a disappointment, and I just felt, and the president felt since then, we just not we, we, we just have not looked very good. He went on to say it was not an easy decision. You have to look at season ticket sales, renewals, new tickets moving forward. Obviously, those are tied to booster contributions to the annual fund. You're looking at the implications for concessions, parking. You look at the vis-a-vis, the cost of a buyout, cost of a new coaching staff. You have to make a decision, end quote. So, you know, they've they've been pretty clear about the Fed, or at least he's pretty clear here is, you know, we're not winning. We're not making money. Our concessions aren't making money. We're not seeing those season tickets come through. We're not seeing those renewals come through. We're not seeing people buy new tickets. So at the end of the day, you know, whether this movie is going to, you know what, whether the making of this movie is going to be good at some point, we got to sell tickets to this movie and we're not selling tickets. So he gets rid of it. I mean, it, as you said, as I, I mean, it comes down to money at the end of the day and fans were showing them by, in their pocketbooks that they weren't happy. So it didn't matter if Willie Taggart was doing anything good or if he would eventually turn the program around. They wanted to sell tickets, and they weren't selling tickets. That's right, and uh, I think I've stated this before, but if, if you're a sharp coach out there and you're looking for some of these to come into some of these teams, uh, the, the FSU and Arkansas and things, you know, you sit down with the athletic director, and athletic director will look at you and say, what can you do for me? And a coach would say, well, do you want to win? Do you want to have good recruiting classes? you want to put asses back in the seats? I can do that for you. And that's, that's, that's exactly what they have to do. Now, in Willie's case, he wasn't winning. Yeah. His, recruiting, his recruiting was fair. Not good, not bad, but fair. And the seats were half empty. Look at Seminole Field is huge. It's 90,000 people there. When you only put 50,000 in there and you got the TVs panning across, you know, you see all the empty seats and it's not going to work. I mean, the AD is going to ask those three basic questions uh, or the uh, prospective coach is going to tell an AD those answers that he wants to hear and hopefully he'll get hired. But, you know, someone like Urban Meyer is going to come down to FSU. First of all, they won't uh, interview him anyway because he's toxic. But someone else uh, in the in the country to come down and he'll if he's sharp. Look, Gus Malzahn and Auburn's the same way. I mean, he he said it. He says I can win. I can do good at recruiting, and your seats will be full. And that's what he's done. And he's also linked to the Arkansas coach. I can't. I don't. I don't understand that either. I mean, if, if I were him, I would just I would forget that. But you know, someone's gonna someone's gonna come along and it's gonna answer the questions that the AD wants to hear with good answers, and he'll be the coach. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, you know, and, and as it stands right now, they've already lost uh, three-star cornerback Derek Bermudez uh, was the first to decommit. They also lost uh, Georgia, and he's from Jacksonville, Florida. They lost Isaiah Dunson out of the state of Georgia, who is a four-star recruit, and they lost a uh, running back Jalen Knighton. And they've they've all decommitted from the team, so they want to get a coach in during the season. But here's the thing, Papa Joe, how do you get a good to great coach to come to Florida State, knowing all the issues, knowing that 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 we've already seen a change in the AD in recent history, that we may see another change coming up soon. So there's there's the air of change in the air of not really knowing who's going to be your boss and who's going to be there. So if that wave is coming and that wave's already come, plus the team has struggled, plus Jimbo Fisher obviously left something that he knew 
was potentially on fire. If all of this is in the background, why would a coach go there in the first place? Number two, how you can't get a coach to leave during the season while he's coaching another team if it's a good coach, because if it's a good coach, he's winning. So why would you leave LSU or why would you leave, you know, Clemson or why would you, why would you leave, you know, some of the other schools that are like Wake Forest, you know, some of these schools that are doing pretty well, or they're going to a bowl game or Memphis, you know, they talk about Memphis and Cincinnati's coach. Why would you leave in the middle of a season when you're trying to win a conference championship and you're trying to go to the postseason? Can't do it. You know, I, you know, the, the, the coaches have got to know that. Sure, it's a, it's a plum job. Other than Lane Kiffin, he'd leave anywhere. But, you know, these coaches are not going to leave. The ones that, the ones from the good teams are not going to go anywhere. Right. Now, if, if you're a, if you're sitting at six and four and you lose your last game and you're six and five somewhere and you're a good coach, but you're not doing as well as you are, all of a sudden in two weeks, your season is over. And then maybe you start talking to FSU, but, you know, they can't, FSU it's a it's a plum job, no question about it. You know the ACC is a wonderful conference. You know you're not going to beat Clemson anytime soon, but at least you can at least you can try to be as maybe seven and four or eight and three or something like that. And a, and a and a coach I'm sure is looking at that. He's got the schedules for two or three or four years in advance, and he's saying if I use my ingenuity here here and here i can win these games this year and those games next year and so on and so on and so on he can rationalize himself that he, that he can actually do this and if, if he thinks he can do it good luck it's not it's not easy plus fsu uh, wants wants to play some good teams they're they're going to they're going to have their cupcakes like florida and the rest of these schools got cupcakes on their schedules but fsu is a tough job and it's it they're a rabid bunch of fans up there and as you just saw, uh, money does not matter. When they went out and they, they scraped together $18 million to get rid of Willie Taggart. It's, uh, yeah. it's embarrassing, but someone someone's going to fall into the trap. And if they don't win in a couple of years, we're going to have this conversation again later. Yeah, you know, and the and the thing about it all is, like you said, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll find a coach that, you know, wants to come in and isn't having a great season and, and they'll skip out on their bowl game and whatnot. But but Florida State fans don't want a six and five coach. Florida State fans don't want a seven and five coach. So you know that that's the issue in above itself is Florida State wants the top not you know the fans want the top notch coach the coach that has has been wanting to come to Florida State forever and it's like if it's a top notch coach he's already doing his thing somewhere else and you have to lure him away and you want to do it in the middle of a season that doesn't make a lot of sense you know and. And, you know, first and foremost, I do want to send a shout-out to Willie Taggart because he's always been good to me, and I know that this is a job that he looks really excited to have and be a part of, and it's just a shame what happened. I know that he, you know, kind of let on to me that he was trying to clean out the locker room and figure out who wanted to be there and who didn't, and, you know, unfortunately things ended the way that they did for him, but I really do hope that he lands somewhere where he could be happy and he can feel good because, the reality of it all is in the state of Florida, he has had success because when Skip Holtz took the, you know, when Holtz took the, the USF team and ran it into the, I mean, what was South Florida football before Willie Taggart came there? He saved that program. He built that program. The success that Charlie Strong had in his first year when he came there came from what he had recruited and what he had done, speaking of Willie Taggart. So you know, I hope that Tagger catch on somewhere else, catches on somewhere else, and you know he did. He saved Florida and sa- he saved South Florida football, and 
I think that that, you know, goes unnoticed here at Florida State. And, you know, Florida State, you, you want to have your Hall of Fame coach. Well, I don't know. Call Mac Brown and ask him if any of his friends will come out of retirement too because you want a Hall of Famer, but they're all coaching good teams right now. So I don't understand what the mentality is. Let's take a step aside for a fast break here. When PJ and I come back, we'll talk about Syracuse. They're back on to they're back on the field this weekend. They're going to be playing up against Duke. They're on the road at Duke at 4 p.m. Eastern time on the ACC Network, and it's on the ACC Network, which is not carried everywhere. I really hope the ACC gets an app at some point so that you can all see this, so we can all see this. But uh, we'll see what happens from here. We'll take a quick step aside on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we'll be back in just a moment with plenty more from Papa Joe, including our thoughts on the college football playoff rankings. They have come out in week, their second week of the rankings are out, and I am more than positive that there's things that PJ disagrees with, and I know there's things I do. Continuing the conversation here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt is where you're listening. You're watching on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now dt and it's all inside of that charney's menswear and tuxedo studios charney's is the place for all menswear dressing up and dressing down so much more than tuxedos you can go there and get your winter jackets your scarves your your gloves your hats get all prepared for the snowy tundra that is central and upstate new york and of course you can dress down i can go there and get some tommy bahama stuff to go on vacation because when i leave i go where it's warm and where it's sunny and where it's nice it's going to be so weird for my body to wear shorts i'm like i'm packing shorts and i'm thinking to myself can I really wear these? Like, is there a place in the world where that accepts these? But I know that I know that uh, my second home of Florida does. So I'm excited about it, and I'm excited for you to go off to Charney's and get what you need, whatever occasion you got going on. Regular size, big and tall, everything is available at Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Papa Joe and I are here with you this morning and every Thursday morning to talk with you about the world of the pigskin, college football and the NFL and so much more and life and a little bit of laughs in general too. So we are here inside of our college football conversation and the rankings were released this Tuesday. I was on the call with Rob Mullins for the college football playoff and, and listening in here and what's going on. So LSU has been moved to number one. Ohio State's been moved to number two. They dropped a spot. Clemson went up to three. Georgia went to four. Alabama fell out of the top four to number five, and they're followed by Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, Penn State, and Oklahoma round out the top ten. Papa Joe, our top four from way before, what, a couple months ago, our top four was LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. You have not shaken from that. I am. I have not shaken from that. But Georgia right now, according to the committee, deserve to go up two spots, and Alabama deserve to fall two. Georgia's in, Alabama's out if the college football playoff started today. Agree or disagree? Uh, well, I can only state what I feel about Georgia. Um, Georgia it defeated two top ten teams in Notre Dame and Florida, and it doesn't get any easier for them. they got to play Auburn, and they're also going to have to play LSU for the SEC championship. So it's sort of like what we were talking about last week. They're giving Georgia a little carrot by putting them in the top four, knowing that they're probably going to lose one of those two games that I just mentioned. Yeah. And then they're going to toss them out 
and move Alabama in. But the problem I have with all that is is that you've got teams that are are sitting behind them, like uh, oh, you know the the uh, the Oregon's, the Minnesotas. Look at look at poor Minnesota. Now we we saw that game yeah. last week. You know Utah, Oregon, Oklahoma, Penn State. These are all one loss teams, right? Now. We watched the Minnesota game. I watched that game. I thought it was an excellent game against Penn State. Uh, and then I watched the LSU game. I'm thinking to myself, does anyone think, if they watch both of those games, does anyone think, your listeners out there, any of you think that Minnesota or Penn State could be on the same field with either Alabama or LSU? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I don't. No, they couldn't be there. They're not going to be there. Unfortunately, Penn State's going to be out. You know, now you got Oregon and Utah in the West. Whoever whoever wins that blood fest is going to be up, maybe to be stuck in for the top four. But you know, the the committee they got to think dollars and cents too, and alumni and everything like that. It's not really fair all the time. But I think the way you and I thought about it weeks ago yeah. is is the same four that are going to be there now. Granted, Alabama has not played as well as I think Alabama could play, especially on defense, that's probably going to change because Nick is going to ratchet up a little bit. Uh, uh, Alabama's in the same position that Clemson is in their, in their conference. Just because the, some of the SEC teams that Alabama played are not very good this year yeah. and Alabama's rolling over them, it doesn't mean they beat them 73 to something like Ohio State does. Yeah. And Clemson's in the same situation. You know, the ACC just is not competitive this year. So you badmouth Clemson for being undefeated and not running up the score? No, they they proved last week Dabo's going to have them ready to go. They proved last week they could have won that game 85 to nothing because it was 40-something, 45 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. You know, they, they could have ran it up against NC State, but they didn't. And if, if that's what's going to move the, the meter for – uh, for the, the committee, then I don't know how they make a good decision, but nothing's going to change. Look at poor Baylor's undefeated. Minnesota's undefeated. I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, look at these are good teams. These are good programs. They play by the rule. Maybe Baylor doesn't all the time, but Minnesota sure does. And it, Minnesota's not going to qualify. If Minnesota gets goes undefeated, they're just not going to make it. I I don't I don't I don't understand it. Don't don't like it. But uh, Minnesota has to. No, Minnesota doesn't play Penn State. Uh, Ohio State, right? Ohio State plays Penn State, but Ohio State does not play Minnesota. Right. So Minnesota. So Minnesota could go undefeated and still not get a sniff of the top four. Yeah. Thought, thoughts. Yeah, you know, and and that's and that's the issue, you know, because it's Minnesota. Because it's the Golden Gophers. Because how do we sell tickets? Because that's the Cinderella. That's that you know. That's that's the team that doesn't make a lot of logical sense to the committee here. They got to play at Iowa on November sixteenth uh, this weekend. They're going to play at Iowa, and that game is is against a, a top twenty top twenty ranked team. Then they have Northwestern on the road. Then they have Wisconsin at home, who's a top twenty a top fifteen ranked team right now. Uh, Minnesota is in place to play in the Big Ten Championship. So let's say, let's just say, because this is what has to happen for the committee to care, and they probably still won't, but let's say that they go 12-0. Let's say Minnesota 
after just beating Penn State in the crossover game, let's say they win the, the let's say they go 12 and 0 in the season and they go to the Big Ten championship and they play Ohio State again or Penn State or whatever and they win. Let's say they win that. Still, I think the committee sits and thinks about it, but I don't know what the committee does at that point. I think that they have to go 12 and 0. Then I think they have to go to the Big Ten championship and they have to beat Ohio State. Then the question arises again, what are they going to do? Because a couple of years ago, the committee did something that made no logical sense whatsoever. Now, the committee will tell you that they were right in doing it because of the champion that they had. But Alabama sat at home and watched they watched Auburn and Georgia play in the SEC championship game. They watched the game from home. And after Auburn had defeated Alabama that season and Georgia that season, Auburn was told, congratulations, you're the fifth best team in the country. And Alabama, who was sitting watching the SEC championship, gets to go play in the college football playoff. And they win it, so then the committee goes, see, we chose the right team. No, Auburn was supposed to be in there. Auburn was the only team that beat those two teams that played in the championship game. So is that going to be Minnesota this year? Are they going to run the table? Are they going to beat Ohio State? And they're going to go, oh, good for you, little Golden Gophers. You can go play in Pasadena. You know, I mean, what are they going to do? And that's that's the thing that I wonder because I can't see a world where the committee is going to respect Minnesota. I just don't. No, you're right. And uh, I, I don't. I doubt very seriously that uh, Minnesota and Ohio State would both be in, in the championship at the same time. Two, two Big Ten teams just don't figure, but Minnesota playing Iowa this this week is a possible pitfall here. This is this is a real dangerous game for them, and they're gonna you know they they could maybe look about just look and see maybe it's the blue and white program or uniforms of uh, Penn State across the line instead of Iowa. So uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game, but th- there's there's no easy answer to this until they expand the field. Either expand it to uh, six teams or eight teams. Yeah. If they do that, they'll bring your your conference in the AAA or AAC, and they'll 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 include them, and then maybe a couple throw-ins, you know. But then it's going to get diluted. I, that's why I'm, I'm I, I I like the idea of six teams to include the five conferences and then one at large, and that way you'll have your two SEC teams in there that deserve to be in there of six teams, and then let them play. Well, and that's the thing is where we're where we're at right now. There has to be change, you know. There has to be change. And I I spoke with the commissioner Mike Oresco about it, and I said, you know, don't you get helped by you know if if uh, if 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 teams start getting upset from from the quote unquote Power Five, does that not inadvertently help you? Because if the SEC is saying, hey, we deserve to have two. And then, you know, the ACC in a good year saying we deserve to have a cup. But let's just talk about, let's just say this year. This year, Florida's a damn good team. Okay, Georgia's a good team. Alabama's a, 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 a you know, a good to great team. You know, they're typically a great team, but they, they've, they you know, they've had some moments. And then we look at LSU and say, wow, they're a damn good team. So you got four teams from the SEC that are really talented, really good, right? And then, so then you go from there and you say, okay, Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State, look at all them. Then you look at the one loss Oregon, the one loss Utah from the Pac-12. And then you say, okay, look at Baylor's undefeated. Look at Oklahoma. Can't keep Oklahoma out. They sell tickets. They score a lot of points. So you look at all of that and you in 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 the committee, and I said this to the commissioner, doesn't the committee get inundated with phone calls this year from the power five saying, listen, four ain't enough because there's five of us. 
So even if one of us gets a representative from our championship game, there's not enough space for the Big 12, the Big, the, the Big 10, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the SEC. There's only four spots. And if the SEC gets two, now we now there's you know a bunch of us conferences fighting for two spots. And the American Athletic is saying, well, we're right behind that, but we shouldn't be behind that because if you look at all of the polling and the indexes and the different things that rank teams, the American Athletic Conference is ranking higher than some of this Power Five. So, you know, the reality of it all is the BCS was flawed and the BCS made no sense. The college football playoff is better, but it is also flawed and it cannot justify having a Power Five with four spots because we know that two of those spots are SEC, one of those is Clemson for the foreseeable future, and then another one's a wild card. So you're going to tell the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 every single year they're fighting for one spot and that the American Athletic Conference can't get in? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And in all honesty, I think if you go to six or you go to eight, it evens the playing field. It allows an opportunity. If you go to eight, you say, okay, Big 12 champion, come on in. Pac-12 champion, come on in. Big 10, ACC, SEC, y'all come in. Now we got five spots filled of eight. American Athletic Conference, you bring one of yours in. Now we have six spots filled. So then what do we do with the other two? We go back to the SEC. We look at the ACC. We look at the Big Ten. We look at the American Athletic in a year like this year. We look at Notre Dame, and you fill those spots. And I know that not everybody's going to always be happy, but eight spots does the deal because eight spots carries the power six because I think the American is in that conversation. And then you have two extra slots to deal with. So that's what the committee should do on a year like this year. I think that if they get enough push from the people that are they're going to actually listen to, which I think is this power five, you know, if these if these ADs and these coaches and these administrators and these institutions start going at the college football playoff committee saying, listen, and all these commissioners meet together and say, we don't need to deal with this BS. We're already autonomous. If this keeps happening, we're just going to spin off into our own thing. I think the I think the committee is going to have to listen if the powers that be are the ones that start screaming this year. Well, that's true. Uh, this year's situation may exacerbate it even worse because of or, uh, Utah and Oregon. Yeah. Now, you always think that maybe the out west or Southern Cal or UCLA or one of those teams over there. Now you got Utah and Oregon. Well, Oregon's probably going to have the best quarterback playing right now, uh, maybe outside of Joe Burrow and Hebert. And would it not – would it not uh, – Please, the people out there to see Oregon if they beat Utah in this championship playoff. So you throw out Georgia and you move Oregon in there. So that's not a bad that's not a bad situation. Now you have four teams from four different conferences. But if Oregon's going to do that, they got to win and they got to win big because Utah's no slouch. And if Utah wins, forget about it. You're not going to you're not going to see them. You know, but Oregon with a first rate quarterback that can move the ball with a good coach, I can see them moving them ahead of Georgia. Georgia's going to lose again. I mean, they're going to lose mm-hmm. Auburn. They're going to lose the They're going to lose sometime. And then they're going to be lumped back in there with Florida, and they've already beat Florida. So now where do you go with Georgia? Well, anyway, you got you got Hebert in Oregon. I think that uh, I think that that would be a uh, a good carrot for for the for the committee to look at, and you'd have four teams. Four strong teams from four conferences and let them fight it out. Yeah, you know, and, and when we look at this, 
college football playoff committee in and of itself. He has to recuse himself, and he said this on the teleconference this week. When when there's voting going on for Oregon, he has to recuse himself because he is the athletics director at Oregon, speaking on Rob Mullins. The, the rest of the committee <clears throat> includes the likes of, and this is just to give you a sense, Joe Castiglione of the University of Oklahoma, Scott Strickland of the University of Florida, R.C. Slocum of Texas A&M, Todd Stansberry of the Georgia Institute of Technology, Gary Barta of the University of Iowa, and Terry Mohazier of Arkansas State University. So a lot of that, you know, is, is compressed of the Power Five and the conversation there. And I know that some people were getting upset on the teleconference with Rob Mullins, you know, saying that I have to recuse myself when they talk about Oregon. I don't know what's going on and this and that. And they're like, well, you know, some of us are getting upset. Like, can we have some representation go in to talk about this? Because if you have to recuse yourself for Oregon and Oregon's not getting that respect, then, you know, you're the one that's running this college football playoff selection committee. And yet you can't say anything or do anything. So now fans are up in arms and, and you know, media is up in arms in Oregon some people because of the fact that, you know, he can't be involved in this. And they're saying, OK, well, if, if you're going to, you know, that's negatively potentially working against Oregon in the Pac-12 and that's not fair to us. So now the Pac-12 is up in arms about this as well. Good point. Good point. There's no easy solution, um, but I think things will shake down here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll get a better idea if Georgia somehow beats Auburn. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. And uh gets ready to play LSU. LSU still got a, a tough road to hold too. So uh, I just, I just enjoy watching good football. Like we had this last weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get to see too much of the, the big 10 teams because uh, we don't get too many of them down here, but the Penn state Minnesota game was really fun to watch. And of course the, the uh, LSU Alabama game was, you know, in the, the second half uh, the umpires, the referees had to call timeout about every other play because a guy got hurt. Yeah, I mean that's how that's how hard they were hitting. I mean, uh, I, I hate to be redundant about this all the time, but it's a different style of football. And Ohio State is the only one that can play with these teams now because Urban Meyer brought that mindset from Florida up to Ohio State, where he re- he recruits speed and guts against size. Yeah. And that's how that's how you win. That's how you beat these guys. You've got to be faster than they are. Now, Minnesota and Penn State are wonderful teams. I can't I said that before, but they are not near as fast enough as the teams that we just saw this weekend. Ohio State, and as they should be, is the only team in this group that we discussed that can stay with these teams. Well yeah, you know, and and, and, and you're right. You know, you're absolutely right that Ohio State <clears throat> brings that brand of football and you know that we're used to seeing in the sec that powerhouse punch you in the mouth take you down you know punch down drag out i mean there, there's something to be said about the way that ohio state plays football and the way that florida plays football and lsu and alabama and, and georgia and whatnot it's just a different world and penn state's trying to crack in there minnesota's doing a tremendous job but how about this you know they used to say the unbeaten teams are the ones that deserve to play in the bcs championship well, there's not many Division 1A FBS undefeated schools anymore. In fact, there's just a few. You can actually put them on one hand, and that is Baylor, 9-0, Minnesota, 9-0, 10-0 Clemson, Ohio State's 9-0, and 9-0 LSU. There's only five teams left in Division 1A college football 
that are undefeated. So if this was the case and we actually had five spots, six spots, whatever it may be, then those would be your teams or should be your teams because they've gone undefeated. But then they say strength of schedule and look at this and this and that and the other thing. And so I go to the American Athletic Conference. SMU is ranked 25th. They got bumped out for Appalachian State, who's 8-1. and SMU is 8-1. I didn't get to talk to Rob Mullins about this, but I would have loved to ask him, what's Appalachian State doing well from the Sun Belt that the American Athletic isn't doing well? They have four teams that have one loss apiece, and SMU, well, you know, they, they almost lost to East Carolina. Yeah, but they beat them. They didn't lose. They played a close game against East Carolina. Appalachian State, their conference is not as high as the American Athletic Conference. Navy goes up a spot to 23 Memphis goes to 18, and I'm not trying to disrespect the Sun Belts at all. I'm just saying outside of Appalachian State, there's not a ton to write home about right now. People said that about the American with UCF. UCF's not even in the top 25. Cincinnati, Memphis, Navy, all in there in the college football playoff. But Cincinnati's 8-1, and one, they're 17. Number 18 ranks 8-1 Memphis. Number 23 ranks 7-1 Navy. Here's my question. How the hell do they crack this? Because the team's in front of them. Notre Dame doesn't even have a damn conference. They're 7-2. and two. They played three ranked teams this season. They lost to two of them, and the only one that they beat is not ranked anymore. Memphis is beating ranked teams. Cincinnati's beating ranked team. Navy's gone out there and played. You know, so it's like you look at this and say, why is Notre Dame above them? Because of history. Well, history has nothing to do with this season. Michigan is above them, and Michigan hasn't looked great. Wisconsin's above them, and they haven't looked great. So, you know, you look at, and then Baylor's led by a coach that used to be in the American Athletic and Temple. So I look at this and I say to myself, if, you know, when is there ever going to be a day where this committee regards the American as anything when you have Cincinnati, Memphis, Navy, and SMU all with one loss? You have UCF that's still going to a bowl game this year with seven wins already, playing a freshman quarterback after they lost a quarterback, lost another quarterback, and then brought a guy in who didn't work out. On top of all of that, they have 7 out of 12 teams that are going to a bowl game this year, at least. Yet, they can't crack the top 15 over Notre Dame? I don't get it. Money. Money, money, money. Yeah. Notre Dame alumni is everywhere. And, uh, no, uh, you know, Notre Dame is, is, they've been a perplexing problem for me over the years because they won't join a conference. And the reason is they, they, can't, they can't beat continuously the team's that they need to beat in the big conference. Right. If they go to if they go to the ace the the ace, uh, Clemson, uh, they're not going to beat Clemson. If they go to the SEC, they're not going to beat Alabama uh, and LSU and so on and so on. You know, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, frankly, I'm going to say this now. I think that Notre Dame's coach is going to lose his job this year if he doesn't win. If he doesn't win out or at least win a good bowl, they're going to they're going to bring someone else. Kelly's going to be out the door. So then maybe talk Florida, maybe I'm Florida talk State can call. Job. Yeah, talk about a plump job. Yeah, that's another Urban Meyer job right there. He'd probably take that one. Now, see, Urban <laughs> Meyer's trying to get the Southern Cal job over there, and that guy hasn't left yet. So I don't know, but it's it's a mess. It, uh, put him on the field, let him play it out. Well, and here's the thing: if Brian Kelly gets fired out of Notre Dame, then that's 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 the call that you can make during the season if you're Florida State. <laughs> right. So Brian Kelly goes to Florida State. Here's the thing. 
Notre Dame is in the top 25. Also in the top 25 is Navy. Navy and Notre Dame are playing against each other this week. Navy's 7-1. Navy's playing Navy football right now, and it feels like Navy. It feels bit like this season feels like one of the, you know, it feels like it's fight. The, this, was, this was the adversity from last year, and it's finally starting to come around. And I'm so excited about this and, and, and very, you know, very, very excited to see this game. If Navy wins this game, they could say, hey, you know what, Brian Kelly, Navy beat us. You can't be here anymore. And then all of a sudden, Florida State fans just have this giant wave of relief come over them. They beg their AD to call, and Coburn calls up Brian Kelly. And then before you know it, with a couple weeks left in the season, Brian Kelly's the new coach of Florida State. Look, we, yeah. made, we made everybody happy, Papa Joe. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Navy Notre Dame is going to be a very good game this week. That's one I want to watch for sure. I can't pronounce your man's name, and I always have to ask you this, <laughs> but he's doing a hell of a job over there. Ken Niamatololo. Well, whatever. <laughs> I, call, I call him Ken. <laughs> yeah, I, I call I call him Grandpa Ken because he's he's the uh, longest tenured coach in the American. So I call him oh, call him Grandpa Ken. So with that being said, Papa Joe and I are here with you, hanging out inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, thirty one fifty Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Before we give our picks, just to take uh, one look here. You know, obviously, you know, last week I picked LSU over Alabama, and I picked Minnesota over Penn State. So I'm feeling good right now, and we got some uh, good games coming up here this week. But uh, one more look at kind of where things sit right now, and, and that is, you know, a, a final note on the rankings, Papa Joe. When we look at where, where things are right now for these rankings, you and I think LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, like I said, we've thought that for, for a couple months now. So that's where we sit at. And, you know, those are the four teams. That is a viable option that could end up happening. But here's the thing. We talked about Georgia a little bit. Georgia lost to an unranked South Carolina. Alabama lost to the number one team in the country, LSU. So as much as Georgia beat a couple of good teams out there, when you just look at what's their one loss, Georgia's looks a lot more. That looks like a bigger blemish than, you know, obviously Alabama's. But do you see any of this changing? Is there anything that you don't agree with? Like Minnesota went up nine spots, but they're just one above Penn State. They're literally one spot above the team that they just beat, which I don't which I don't agree with. You know, Alabama and Florida drop so that Penn State can stay somewhere up there. I don't like where Notre Dame is at sixteen. What do you what do you most not agree with with this college football playoff ranking right now? where the teams are, and maybe even your Florida that's at 11 right now that's not in the top 10? Well, you know, Florida won handily over Vandy, which they expected to do, but somehow they got they got leaped in a poll, yeah. and uh, Penn State didn't didn't fall down enough. Uh, you know, the polls are, that's what they are. They're just polls. They're, they have no rhyme or reason to them. They're difficult to figure out, and uh, I would like to – I'm going to stay with the same teams. I, there's nothing that I, I see that doesn't surprise me. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota leaping as high as they done should have been, should have been okay. And they should have been placed before Penn state because they beat Penn state. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't matter with poor Minnesota unless they beat Ohio state in a big 10 game. Minnesota's probably going to lose a game and they're going to be out of this conversation. It's going to come down the toughest teams and the ones that are the people in the country want to watch. Do they want to watch Minnesota play uh, Alabama 
or Minnesota play LSU? No, they don't want to see that. Do they want to see Ohio State play uh, LSU? Damn right they do. So, you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of contention, and there's good and bad on both sides. Uh, I, I love where Memphis is. I love where Cincinnati is. Uh, Michigan is playing a big game this weekend against Michigan State, so Michigan State's going to lose their coach probably. Uh, there, there's a lot of – this is the time of the year where uh, guys are positioning themselves if they want to move out somewhere. Right. The, the guy at Michigan State has, has been a wonderful job over the years. Uh, D'Antonio, I think is his name. Anyway, he's uh, uh, he deserves he deserves another good job somewhere. And he, you know, him, if he loses this game, he's probably going to wind up uh, five and six or four and seven or something like that. And at Michigan State, that's not good enough. So all of you go down the line here. You go down all the way down to twenty-five, and you see all these teams in here. You got Wisconsin, especially, is in there too. So coaches are going to lose their jobs if they don't win out. There's going to be a bunch of them. Yeah, you know, and that's what we're looking at right now and and one of those guys that you know is being brought up in conversation right now is is Scott Frost and the question of is is Nebraska football just too far gone for Scott Frost to fix you know and and there's I mean it's just funny how the American Athletic Conference people say well they're not you know they're not that good they're not on the same level as the Power Five but every single year the Power Five comes and poaches coaches from the American and then some find sometimes those coaches find the grass isn't always greener I don't think the grass is greener in Nebraska for Scott Frost right now. The grass wasn't greener for Chad Morris at Arkansas. And obviously Baylor had to believe in Matt Rule because that took some time. And, you know, he's having a good season this season, but he came into a giant cluster of you-know-what. So, you know, the reality of it all is the Americans are a pretty awesome place. And I think that people are going to start to discover that and know that, that you could build a program, sustain one, and have some success there. The committee just has to get behind it. And if the committee can't respect the Pac-12, then they're not going to respect the American because that's how I think the thought process is going. But we'll take a step aside, and hopefully this committee will start getting things right. But I heard that they got to have meet- meetings at the Ritz, so I guess that's uh, that's pretty cushy. <laughs> we'll take us. We'll take us. sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, going to a restaurant that doesn't have any prices on their menu. Continuing the conversation here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT Hanging out with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You are watching on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash DT. We're inside of hour number one that spilled into hour number two with Papa Joe. Great conversation. We started it off with Ohio State's Chase Young and his suspension. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and it was four games and now it's two games and it's perfect timing for the Penn State game and they only have to play Maryland and Rutgers without him who are the bottom feeders of the Big Ten so we talked about that we got into the college football playoff this that and the other and we got to give a little bit of uh, conversation here to Syracuse as well as give our picks so uh, PJ Syracuse is three and six they got to win out to be eligible for a bowl game I don't see it happening unfortunately for the Syracuse team and people know that I'm honest here and they know that, you know, they, they, some people call me the positive voice because there's so much negativity and, and I tend to always try and see the bright side of things. And I think the bright side of things is we need to, in the off season, see the changes that need to be made and make those changes and adjustments so that this team will not have to continue bleeding. Cause right now I, I just, I don't see this season ending with a bull berth for Syracuse. What's your take on a three and six team that's defeated Liberty, Holy Cross, 
and Western Michigan. Nobody else. Oh, and by this, to add insult to injury, all three of those teams that Syracuse defeated have better records than Syracuse do. That's just a terrible, that's a terrible statistic. And uh, I, I think I've said before that I thought DeVito would do a much better job this year than he has, but it can't be all his faults. Offensive right. line, defensive sucks. I mean, Maryland got, you know, stopped by OSU and they scored 9 million points on Syracuse. So, but anyway, just to have some positivity is one to use one of your words. I like, I like Syracuse this, this week against Duke because I think Babers is going to come up with a plan that can beat him. And uh, if he's if he's passionate about staying at Syracuse or or looking to finish the job there, I think you'll see it in the in the play of the kids. If the kids are uninspired, then I think Dino's gone. But I look for them to beat Duke. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, Duke Duke is much better of a football team than people give them credit for. Because, you know, and they and they obviously, you know, because of the coach that they have and the way that they recruit and whatnot, I mean, David Cutcliffe is a tremendous coach. I always love sitting down and, and having the opportunity to speak with Coach Cut. And, you know, he does a tremendous job. He brings quarterbacks that make it to the NFL all the time. He helped train Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Obviously, uh, two Super Bowl champions there trained Daniel Jones, had Daniel Jones at school with him. So I give him a lot of credit. So, you know, I, I think that Duke is no slouch. They send guys to the NFL, and they also, you know, not only sending guys to the NFL, you know, that, that defensive back group, they, they tend to do some good work with that. And because of that, because of their defensive backs and because of the fact that they're at home and because Syracuse is reeling and it just seems like there is just a loss of leadership there, I'm picking Duke in this game. And, it, yeah, so, I mean, it, it – it, you know, it's it's not where you want to see Syracuse right now, but I thought this was going to be a tough game before the season even started, and now that it's started and Syracuse is struggling against teams they shouldn't and they're just getting progressively worse, I, I, I don't see – you know, this is a team that finally started to win on the road last year, which Syracuse struggled to do for a very long time in football, and now they're back to losing on the road, and, and I don't think that – playing Duke and Louisville are going to bode well for Syracuse. And then they get to come home and play Wake Forest, who's a tremendously, they're, they're a very, very, they're a good team this year. And so oh. I think it's, I think it's going to, I think it's going to, you know, it's going to get ugly before it gets pretty. And, oh. you know, unless Dino can get some, unless he can reclaim some leadership and, 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 and this, the feeling of this team and the environment of this team can change. I just don't, I don't see the season ending well. So, Pick and Duke in this one. Uh, Florida at Missouri. Let's talk about your Gators. What do you have for this? Well, Missouri's beat Florida the last two years once on our turf over here. Uh, it's Apparently, Missouri plays really well at home, and they really, they're really piss poor on the road. They're undefeated at home, and they're, they have one on the road. So, subsequently, they got a 5-4 and four record, but it doesn't matter if they're playing well at home. Florida has got to come in with some energy. They, for the last couple of years, for some reason, they've taken Missouri for granted. You can't do that. Missouri is a, is a solid SEC team, even though I didn't agree with moving them in years ago. I don't know what Missouri has to do with being in the South, but you know they, they needed a team, and they got a good one. Missouri is a good team. Uh, but I like Florida. You know, I think they should, defense-wide, they should, they should take over the game. And offensively, they just, right now, they, they can't be beat, so... I look for them to win. So you're you're looking at Florida, you said? 
Yeah. And and I'm going with the Gators as well in this matchup. I, I think the Gators will be able to pull it off. Like I said last week, I want these teams to keep making this decision. To, I want I want these I want teams around the country to keep making it harder and harder on this committee and to and to ask the committee to have a conscience. So let's keep winning. Let's keep making it difficult. And as long as Florida's winning, they still got a shot if Georgia falters a little bit. So let's let's see it going. I, I want to see these teams keep going. I want to see this decision be difficult for the committee, more and more and more difficult to show the committee we need more teams and to show the committee that you have to be honest about who you're putting in. So let's have some fun with it, folks. The next one we got up is Navy at Notre Dame. Oh, geez. Boy, I wish Navy could win this game. <laughs> I want with I want Navy to win this game. But I just think that the discrepancy with the athletes on the field is just it's it's too it's too great for Navy to, to overcome. And you know, I I wanna see Navy win, I just don't see it. I think uh, overall Notre Dame is just a, a much bigger, faster team. Yeah, you know, Notre Dame, I mean, obviously they, they've had some success, but just like last year when they made it into the college football playoff and I said, who did they beat? Who did they play? You know, they're, they're, they're scheduled in their schedule. Well, you know, the schedule on paper looks good. I don't care about what it looks like on paper. They didn't look like a strong team. Now, they defeated Louisville this year, who I think is a reputable program. They defeated Virginia, who's a reputable program. Uh, they lost big time to Michigan. They barely beat Virginia Tech. And you know what, PJ? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna pick Notre Dame. I am, but I really, really hope that my guy Kenny Amatololo gets it done. Notre Dame's at home. Notre Dame, like you know, they're a talented team. They, we know that they could score. We know Ian Book, you know, has done a nice job and whatnot. But ultimately, I think Navy's gonna give them hell this year, maybe more than they have in the past. And I hope they get that dub. Wake Forest at Clemson. Now, this might not mean anything to anybody. But to me, it does because Wake Forest is right behind Clemson. They're seven and two. They're second in the Atlantic, and I think that they're one of the only teams that can, you know, give Clemson any type of push toward the end of the season. What do you think about this? You know, teams at this time of the year, I think, are, are playing their best football. The ones that we we speak about all the time. Uh, there's no doubt that when I saw the Alabama LSU game, Alabama could probably score. A, 50 points on any team in the country except for LSU. And that's the same way I feel about Clemson right now. Clemson is playing their best football right now at home. Uh, Wake Forest, not only will they win, but this will be a rout. So you're picking Clemson. I'm also going to go with Clemson in this one. I just hope they give them hell. I really do. I hope that this comes down to the fourth quarter. I hope it comes down to a field goal. And what would the committee do if Clemson somehow lost this game? No. Well, that opens up a Pandora's box right there, boy. I know. Boy. Georgia at Auburn. We could we could see Georgia get bumped out of the top four again because they're in it, but they got to play Auburn. What do you think about this? Jordan Hare Stadium is one of the worst places you'd ever want to play, even worse than Death Valley. Um, this is a pick'em game to me, but I like I like Auburn at home. And I think uh, I think Auburn wins this game. It's a it, it's a tough, going to be a tough game. Talk about hard hitting and fast. These teams will play fast and play hard, but I like Auburn. Yeah, I'm going with Auburn in the matchup too. They're at home. I think that they're going to, you know, they know that this win can do something to Georgia. And if you're not going to be in the college football playoff, might as well take somebody out of it. So, you know, Auburn is going to be doing that this week. 
Memphis at Houston. Houston obviously is, you know, uh, we're, we're looking at the fact that, you know, Houston may be a, a much better team next year. They're three and six right now, yet they've played some pretty damn good games against some pretty damn good teams in the American. What do you think about Houston at home with Memphis one loss coming in? Yeah, I was really disappointed in Houston this year. I thought that that they would be a much, much better team and a quicker team, faster team. They haven't gelled for whatever reason. Uh, I don't think it's coaching because the coach that, that came over from, I think he, I don't know where he came from, but anyway. West Virginia. He, yeah, he a first-class coach. And uh, I like Memphis because I, I saw them a couple weeks ago when they played, caught a couple quarters of them. I like the way they play. They play fast. They score a lot of points. So I don't care where they're playing. They're going to beat Houston. Yeah, I got Memphis in this one as well. Memphis right now is in a three-way struggle for the American Athletic West Division for the rights to play in the championship game with Navy and SMU. They're fighting that right now, and Memphis has the the Memphis has the gold the golden ticket in the back of their pocket here, and that is the fact that they've defeated SMU and Navy head to head. So if Memphis can end up with a better record in the conference, they got the head to heads over both, and they'll leapfrog and play in their third consecutive AAC championship game, which has only been overshadowed by the fact that UCF was on the other side the last couple of years. Uh, next, no, no one would want to play Memphis right now, I don't think. No, no, and, and I think UCF could tell you that because UCF had to literally go to the end of the road in both of those championship games. Minnesota at Iowa. This is a potential flipping game for me. I like Iowa in this game. I think we saw the best that, that Minnesota can do last, last week. Uh, P.J. Fleck has done a wonderful job. He's, he, he's a good young coach. Boy, he was enthusiastic on the f- sideline. He was jumping all over the place, slapping guys, you know, really being energetic. I, I don't know if they can do that two weekends in a row. And for me, this is, the, this is the upset of the week right here. I think Iowa can pull this one out. All right, you're going with Iowa. I'm staying with, I'm staying with Minnesota. Purify, purify yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. I'm going with, right. I'm going with Minnesota in this one. I think, I think they keep pushing the committee, and they say, hey, guess what? We're ten and zero, and we deserve to be here. Oklahoma right. and Baylor. This is going to be the deciding factor. You know, Baylor's trying to say, where's the respect for us? Oklahoma is ranked above them, but Baylor's undefeated. This is a massive game for the Big 12, and the Big 12 doesn't – their championship game, they, they're allowed to play it, but they, it's not a traditional one. It's a waiver one that they got, which the American would do if they don't add another team. So this is a big-time game. This is a huge matchup, and it's something we could see in a couple weeks anyways. What do you think about Oklahoma and Baylor at Baylor? I, I just don't think Baylor has the, uh, the, the team to stay with them. Uh... Oklahoma, we know, can score millions of points. Uh, Jalen Hurts, we know his story coming from Alabama. He's a dark horse for the Heisman Trophy this year, uh, being surpassed by Burrow of uh, LSU. Uh, I don't think Baylor has enough offense to stay up with Oklahoma's offense because what Oklahoma's done is outscore teams because they can't stop anyone. But I don't think Baylor's good enough to score enough points to stop them. So I look for Oklahoma to run away with this one. I'm going with my guy Matt Rule. Let's see it, oh, Baylor. Let's see. Let's see it, Baylor. Let's make it happen. Let's get it okay. done. We know Oklahoma can't stop anybody, and we know oh. that Baylor actually plays some defense. So, oh my God, there's defense in the Big 12. Why? Because he came from the American Athletic Conference with Temple, and Temple plays defense. So, let's get some defense in the Big 12, baby. Let's make it happen. And the uh, the final the final two here. We'll do these uh, quick. 
and that is UCLA at Utah. Utah is trying to get into the college football playoff. UCLA is four and five, but they're on a three-game winning streak. Thoughts on this? Is this a trip up for Utah? Chip Kelly's probably going to have something up his sleeve at UCLA, but there's too much to play here for Utah. Uh, they, they'll they'll win this game. It, it, it it's it's monumental for them. This could be this could be the kind of games that Urban Meyer used to coach years ago when he was at Utah before he came to Florida. So I look for Utah to not trip up here. Yeah, I'm going to pick Utah as well. And the final game here, another one that could be a trip up, Arizona at Oregon. Arizona at Oregon. Again, Oregon's got too much to play. I think the game the game plan is going to be simple for them. They're just going to roll them right over. Uh, Oregon probably has more to lose than Utah because Oregon – potentially was supposed to be here at the beginning of the season anyway because of Ebert. So anyway, I like Oregon. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oregon in this one as well. So we haven't differed on many. We've differed on a couple. Those are yes, Yale 7-1 against <laughs> Princeton 7-1, yeah. the best football in the, in the land. Yale and Princeton. Okay, who are you picking? I, I like Princeton at home, and they're both 7-1. and one. All right, <laughs> you, like, you like Princeton. I'm going to go with Yale in this one. Okay. So, uh, so Princeton and Yale playing each other seven and one. Congrats to both. And and uh, Papa Joe's going with Princeton. I'm going with Yale. With that being said, we are hopping out of this first portion of the broadcast, which is Papa Joe's picks. Papa Joe, as always, I appreciate it, and I look forward to being in my second home and in my the state that I love so very much very soon. Take care of it for me, and I'll see you soon. Okay. Have a good trip. All right. Bye. Take care.